Yamamoto signed with the Dodgers, and some of you had some strong opinions. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Fans, welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. You know who I am. Do I need to introduce myself? Do I need to tell you anything about my background? Well, I'm not going to. Evidently, me just sort of introducing myself and having my little thing that I say at the top for new listeners and everything like that who wonder, who the hell is this guy? Apparently, some of you think I'm bragging. But as a former Time Magazine Person of the Year, co-person of the year, I understand we have to be a little more humble. But this is a – now, it's already screwed up my rhythm. It's already screwed up my rhythm. And do you know what? You would think as an Emmy-nominated television producer, I would be able to get through that. But I've been podcasting for over 10-some-odd years, and I'm about to enter my sixth season of the Lockdown Podcast Network. So you know that I am going to recover. Follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And a quick reminder that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Now is the ideal time to get into FanDuel. You can get $150 if you get the right bonus bets with any $5 winning money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. I, I, I have to tell you, I find it amusing that people... Uh, have been writing in after you know a year or so doing that. Just do it because, especially after this whole Tani thing, I've got a I got a bunch of new watches. Who the hell is Sully? Maybe I'm that famous. I don't know. Uh, let's go over the trivia question before anything because big news with the Japanese superstar Yamamoto coming from the Japanese league to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, the question was, who is the first Japanese-born pitcher? To play in the postseason for a team that won the World Series. I had to phrase it very carefully like that. And a couple of you got the question kind of right. You got the right name. Uh, Big John 08865 got it right. A couple of you got it right. Uh, it was Hideki Arabu, the late Hideki Arabu. He pitched for the Yankees. He was on the roster in 1998, but didn't pitch a single game in the postseason in 1998. But in 1999, when the Yankees won the World Series, he didn't pitch in the World Series, but he did pitch in the playoffs. He pitched in the American League Championship Series. So he did pitch in the postseason for a team that went on to win the World Series. Um, and sadly, uh, he died several years after he retired. And, um, you know, he people forget that Arabu actually pitched quite well in the first half of the 1998 season, he fell off and he became really uh, a butt of many jokes, especially at the, the, you know, from George Steinbrenner, who called him the fat toad, but he was a wonderful pitcher in Japan. He had some highlights 
And uh, may he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. But this is not about Arabo. This is about Yamamoto. And a lot of people have been uh, writing in regarding this. And so um, I've, uh, I've printed out a lot of my favorite responses that I got on both uh, in the YouTube comments and at Sully Baseball on Twitter uh, and Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter. The first one I found, this one I just found bizarre. Uh, Ray Pappins, Ray Pappins said, man, what a coward joining a super team. Now, I understand. I remember when the Miami Heat brought in LeBron and Bosch to go alongside Wade. I mean, people don't like super teams. They love it when it's their team. But on the outside looking in, super teams are not that popular with casual fans or fans of other fan bases. Um, and so I understand saying, you know, damn it, I didn't want him to go there. That was one I thought the Dodgers were done spending. Silly me. And I also thought that the Giants were going to go scorched earth to do anything to get him. But why wouldn't he? He's teammates with Otani. He knows he's going to play in the postseason. And I made the point the other day, if he's not a superstar pitcher, but is merely good, he will be pitching in the World Series. You know, I mean, if you have that much support in your lineup and you know they're going to score two, three, four, five runs for you a game, you're going to win a lot of games. And while the sabermetrics community doesn't cling to the win-loss record, I can assure you pitchers do. They like winning games. And they say, why wouldn't I go anywhere else? What other team would he want to go to? Could he go to the Rangers? They're not going to sign him for that deal. If he was, if Think about this for a second. At, it seemed at the end... The three main choices after San Francisco fell out of the race, fell out of the, the bidding war, he would either go to New York or he'd go to L.A. In New York with the Yankees, yes, he would be side-by-side side with Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge and Soto. But the Yankees were... Barely above 500 last year. They were in the ALCS the previous year. The Yankees are probably going to be a playoff contender. But I don't think they're the best team in the American League. And even if you put in Yamamoto, I, I'm sorry. I see them going to, you know, mid-90s. And they'll probably be enough to get them in the playoff spot. But there's also the the spotlight of being in New York. If you got to make us you – know, this is – you have to bring us back to the promised land for the first time since Jeter and Posada and uh, Rivera and Pettit were in uniform and A-Rod. Unless we forgot, A-Rod was amazing in 2009 that postseason. If he goes to the Mets, the Mets are in mid-rebuild. Or he could go to the Dodgers, who are already a 100-win team before they added Shohei Otani. Why is that being a coward? Why does he have to go like, oh, man, well, do you want, looks like I'm going to sign with the Pirates. You know, the, the, the mounting pressure, yes, you could say he could have met the challenge of going to New York. But that challenge can be met with intense scrutiny. 
If you don't make it, if you if you fall short of expectations in New York, hell, people were talking about A-Rod as if he didn't meet expectations when in New York. The greatest third baseman in Yankee history who put the team on his back and carried him to the 2009 World Series title, winning two MVPs along the way in years where they made the postseason by the thinnest of margins. He was vilified by fans in New York. Not everyone, but a lot of them. And he's looking up going, like, I'm going to go there? Or I could go to Los Angeles where at Best, I'm going to be the fourth biggest star here. You know, he 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 probably wouldn't be on the medal stand for for stars in Los Angeles. Otani, Betts, Freeman, and he signed a super long contract. But you know, I'm going to get to this in a second. This window of opportunity for the Dodgers is really 2024, 2025. 2026 and 2027 to win a title and preferably multiple in that four-year span. And that's what he's thinking. This is the best place for me to do it. And a pretty big stage, if I may say so myself. I don't know why that makes him a coward. That seems like to be the whole point of free agency is you get to pick where you want to go. Would you rather he have signed with your team? Would you rather he have signed with whatever club you root for? I get it. I understand. But do you know what? Tough. This is where he went. And I got news for you. If I suddenly became a free agent and I saw I had a chance to go to this network or that network, I'm going to go to the one where I feel I'd get the best exposure and be able to do the show I wanted to do. And do you know where that place for me would be? That would be the Locked On Podcast Network, mainly because we have some of the best sponsors you are ever going to see. Let's talk a little bit about FanDuel, shall we? This is the time when the NFL season is heading down to the wire. This is the best time to join FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers get $150 of bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, overrunner, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the National Football League. This is a quick reminder that Locked On has launched the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is for you, there for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. Dodger fans, you're going to have to understand where your place is right now. You are the villain. You were not the villain during the whole Astros cheating scandal. Sorry, Astros fans, it was a cheating scandal. But right now, everyone's going to hate you. Everyone's going to hate you, and you have to be prepared for that. You're going to get hate. You're going to get people like Ray Pappen saying that thing. And, you know, you're going to get people like Moz from Oz saying, uh, ugh, again, literally every anticipated signing this offseason is gone with the Dodgers. 
Uh, I'm aware they're doing what they're supposed to do about taking some of the excitement out of the offseason. People are going to hate them for that reason. Uh, and uh, and then you have a couple of things like uh, uh, saying, you know, is this is this good for the game? Is this good for is this good for baseball? Is uh, uh, what does this mean for the competition? I mean, yeah. So when I get to see some uh, salty Dodger fans like Life Journey eighty seven oh four, who was saying that all the folks ragging on Tony Dodgers and how they spent so much money on one player and the rotation still sucks. That didn't age well for you, did it? No, it didn't. And I addressed that the other day. The 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 uh, uh, you know the Right now, the Glasno trade, the Glasno trade looks great. Now, you know, it's, I think it looks fantastic. But like Dub, uh, was this MWM search says you jealous much? Yeah, yeah. And you're gonna see that, and you you're gonna have to deal with the fact that people are gonna hate your team now. The Dodgers and their organization are doing exactly what they're supposed to do, and in the way that they're supposed to do it. We should be mad at other fan bases for not digging deep, but you're going to have to deal with the fact that nobody is on your side anymore. Now, that doesn't mean I'm a Dodger hater. I'm here in Pasadena. As I said, I want to see the Dodgers in the World Series so I can go to it. But I get some strange things like Ewok in L.A., who's one of my my, my most uh, devoted listeners, Wrote when the Dodgers signed Otani, you said they were cheating, but still had no pitching. When they traded for Glasnow and extended him, you said they got a pitch, pitcher to full body cast. I can't wait to hear how this is bad, meaning the Yamamoto signing. It wasn't bad, but I wasn't wrong about Glasnow. He's an injury risk. And by the way, um, I I wonder where did I say the Dodgers were cheating? You know, he wrote back to me saying it during the Miller episode. Um, I have the transcript right here of that episode, uh, and I listened to it again, and no, 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 nope. Never said they were cheating. Do you know why? They weren't, and I never thought that. I did say at around 2.38 that I said something smells fishy here. Something doesn't seem right because that – I was doing a recording right after we heard that he was deferring the entire fortune. And I thought, wait a minute, what's going on here? Are they allowed to do this? Is this even right? And do you what we found out? They were. <clears throat> That's me saying, wait a minute, something here doesn't seem right. And then we looked it up and it turned out that that was allowed in the collective bargaining agreement. You have to admit when you first heard it, if, if, if the Giants had done that, Ewok, nub nub, you would have thought, wait a minute, what's going on here? This doesn't sound right to me. Oh, look at that. Turns out they were allowed to do it. Smart for them. They found a loophole. That's They weren't cheating. You know, you they, what I'm saying is Dodger fans, you got to develop a thick skin because people aren't going to love your team. Why don't they love us? You know if you're a Dodger fan, you lived through the McCourt era. You lived through some of the dreadfulness, a team that couldn't get to the World Series between 1988 and 2017, and the, which you saw them trade away. Pedro Martinez, Mike Piazza, Hall of Famers being traded away. They had tremendous talent, but you had the McCourts 
treating the team like their personal ATM. They needed an ace pitcher to get him over the top in the late 2000s. CC Sabathia, native of California, wanted to stay in the National League, was a free agent, and they said, no, we don't mind him. And you found out in that same time that they could have signed him. That should be a what if. I don't have a what if prepared for that. Maybe that will be a what if I do later on. But you can't get overly sensitive about this. You're starting to sound like Astros fans. And you're also starting to sound like Red Sox fans around 2004. After 2004, Red Sox fans couldn't play the whole, oh, we're the cute and cuddly, lovable losers thing. They became like the Yankees. People used to say that to me, now you're just like the Yankees. I said, great, fantastic. That's not an insult. That's like saying, you look like Brad Pitt. Great. But Dodger fans, this is what you wanted during the McCourt years when the team didn't spend because there was all sorts of messed up things going on behind the scenes. But you have to understand, not everybody who lived through those years, not everyone understands what those years mean. So just toughen it up and know if the Dodgers win the World Series, and be like, you bought it. Yeah, great. There have been lots of bought championships over the years. And the Dodger fans want one of their own. And it's really this four-year window, 2024, 2025, 2026, 2027. Those are the four years you're guaranteed that Otani, Betts, Freeman, and Yamamoto are all four going to be teammates together at the same time. So in that four-year window, the Dodgers have, have to win two pennants and win at least one title. They have to be in the World Series twice and win at least one in that window. And I think they will. And I'll probably be at one of the games. And I'll be happy for them. And someone will accuse me of hating the Dodgers. You know, Snell is the next big target that's out there. I think the Giants, you know, Giants and the Angels are rumored uh, to go after them. Far the Dodgers say, why not? Bring in Snell, too. I bet he's going to go to the Giants, which means automatically he's going to the Yankees. Why? Because I've been wrong about everything. Remember, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is there for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus the national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. If I had planned this better, I would have had the what if the Dodgers had signed CC Sabathia, but that actually just occurred to me while I was talking. I, it is Friday, and I do like to do some of my what ifs. And this is a what if I actually talked about several years ago, but before I was doing the podcast, when I just was writing the blog, Thurman Munson, if you don't know who Thurman Munson is, he was the beloved captain of the New York Yankees when the Yankees returned to glory because they fell apart in the mid 1960s after buying all those championships they couldn't buy them anymore because the draft showed up and eventually the management went to hell but Thurman Munson came up along with a couple other players Ron Bloomberg and Bobby Mercer came up around the same time Thurman Munson became the rookie of the year the all-star the face of the team the heart and soul of the Yankees and when the team finally turned around in the remodeled stadium that was paid for by George Steinbrenner the new owner of the Yankees 
it was Munson who was the MVP when they went back to the World Series in 1976, their first trip to the World Series since 1964. And he had a brilliant World Series, although the Yankees got pounded by Cincinnati. The Yankees went on to win the next two World Series, and the Yankees brought in a bunch of free agents and a bunch of big names. Reggie Jackson, Rich Gossage were all some of the big names who came onto the team. But Munson was the captain, the heart and soul of the team. That Reggie may have been the straw that stirred the drink, but Munson was the heartbeat of the team. And he was prickly. He was a little rough around the edges, and he scrapped with Reggie, and there seemed to be a, are you a Munson guy, are you a Jackson guy? When they won back-to-back World Series, they won three straight pennants of back-to-back World Series titles. Munson was the centerpiece of the team. He also, at the time, he was a family man, and he seemed like a be, he seemed to be a good man, you know, albeit one who was a bit of a prickly pear. And he was taking flying lessons. He was flying his plane because he wanted to spend more time with his family in Ohio. And he wanted to be able to fly from New York to Ohio with a, with a plane on off days and everything like that. Well, in 1979, during an off day in a flying lesson, Munson's plane crashed in the runway and he died. Now, the Yankees had a dramatic victory the day of his memorial, where his best friend Bobby Mercer got a walk-off hit in the bottom of the ninth. But the Yankees fell apart in 79, and while they made the playoffs in 80 and 81, something was missing. The team didn't get back to the postseason until 1995. And the effect of Munson's death just hung over the team for a generation. In fact, anyone around my age or, or a little bit older who's a Yankee fan, Munson was their guy to the point that to this day, when his widow, Diane Munson, appears at Yankee Stadium, she gets a gigantic standing ovation. Munson's number was retired and his locker stayed untouched until the demolition of Yankee Stadium uh, after the 2008 season. Well, I often wondered what would have happened if Thurman had lived? What would have happened in his career and his legacy? For people like me, I was seven years old. The rule of seven is that's when you start having your first concrete baseball memories. And I remember Munson's death. I was seven years old and Munson was a Yankee. He, While I was a Red Sox fan, he was one of those players you just respected, even as a seven-year-old. And in the suburbs of Boston that night, yeah, I cried that night when Thurman Munson died. It didn't seem right. It didn't seem right at all. Now... If he had lived, if he had lived, what would have happened? How would his legacy be different? Well, the thought process that a lot of people seem to have is that he would have stayed a Yankee for his whole career, and he would have probably have been the steadying force of the Yankees through the tumultuous 80s, where they were talented but not good enough to win the division. But that doesn't really address the fact that there were some signs that he wasn't really happy with New York towards the end. Even when you see the celebration, the locker room celebration in the wake of the 1977 World Series championship, he was asked by Bill White, an ABC reporter, do you think he's going to come back or does he want to be traded to Cleveland? And he avoided the question. He wanted to go back and play in Ohio. And he probably, when his contract was up, he probably would have gone to free agency. 
Now, before you say, oh, that's sacrilegious to think that Munson could play for anyone else but the Yankees, remember what peak Steinbrenner was during the 80s. He was already starting to break apart that championship team in 1979. Sparky Lyle, the Cy Young Award winner of 1977, was gone. All-Stars Mickey River and Chris Chambliss. Ed Figueroa were gone. Dick Tidrow, Paul Blair were traded away. Catfish Hunter was retired. Billy Martin kept getting you know, hired and fired and hired and fired. And eventually Reggie had enough. He went to Anaheim in 1982. Nettles and Gossage weren't far behind. And when he brought in a big superstar like Dave Winfield, he had him followed by private investigators and shady people, which ultimately got Steinbrenner's second suspension. If he had gone and played out his career, he probably would have left. Remember, Steinbrenner eventually pushed out Captain Willie Randolph. He pushed away Lou Pinella. He pushed away Yogi Berra. To the point where when Yogi Berra was fired uh, just three weeks into the 1985 season, Berra refused to return until 15 years later. So yeah, Munson probably would have skedaddled, and he probably would have signed with Cleveland. Cleveland is probably the place he would have most likely have signed. It would have made an interesting alternate universe for the Cleveland Indians. They had a bunch of good young pitchers. Len Barker was a, was an all-star stud. Now, they weren't contenders, but they came close to 500 in the early 1980s. And if they had a tough competitor like Munson in the clubhouse, he would have probably sparked the team a little bit. You know, they had a, catcher, a young catcher in Ron Hassey, who ironically became one of the many catchers that the Yankees put in in the 1980s to replace Thurman Munson. But could a more relaxed environment meant a rejuvenated Munson? Getting out of the Bronx seemed to help Nettles and Gossage and eventually Randolph, who made the all-star team with the Dodgers, and Reggie Jackson, who won another home run title with the Angels. Maybe bring him closer to his family and away from the Bronx Zoo would have gone a long way for Munson's career to flourish again and maybe get him into the Hall of Fame. Of course, there's another team in Ohio, which is Cincinnati. Now, a lot of the players that Munson hated from those Cincinnati Red teams were gone. Rose was gone. Sparky Anderson, the manager, was gone. They were changing their they were changing their identity. They needed a new spark. Now, they had Johnny Bench still on that team, but Bench was getting injured, and he was playing fewer and fewer games behind the plate. Maybe he would have gone to a still strong Reds team and have a chance to win another ring and be only 200 miles away from his home. But he probably wouldn't have done that because he was very competitive and was very prickly about Johnny Bench. But there's another factor. Around 1980, which would have been around the time he would have given free agency a try, his beloved manager, Billy Martin, was in Oakland. And the team was brimming with young talent. They had a great young pitching staff with Rick Langford, Steve McCaddy, and Mike Norris. Imagine having Munson handling that staff instead of Mike Heath. I mean, I mean, who knows? I mean, Mike Heath wasn't a bad catcher, but come on. And oh yeah, he would have been teammates with Ricky Henderson, young Ricky Henderson. I think would probably would have, would have signed with Cleveland. And that young core team in Cleveland, maybe they would have contended. Maybe they would have had a spark. Maybe not, but he probably would have been happier in Ohio. He probably would have ended up being the manager in Cleveland. And maybe when they had all those talented players like Julio Franco and Joe Carter and Corey Snyder, 
maybe they would have squeezed the division. The Billy Martin Yankees produced a lot of future managers like Lou Pinella, Willie Randolph, Bucky Dent. Chris Chambliss never got a managerial shot. I'd never understood why. And I'm sure all of those players would have told you that Munson was the best managerial prospect. Now, what eventually would have happened is he would have gone back to the Bronx at one way, shape, or another. Because the Yankees always bring people back. They push people away, then they bring them back. They love the prodigal son. They love the people saying, please, please come back. Billy Martin kept coming back. Eventually, Yogi came back. They were estranged with Joe DiMaggio. He came back. They were strange with Andy Pettit. He came back. How many players do you have second, third chances with the Yankees? And you see it happen all the time. And eventually, Munson probably would have come back, but probably only to say hello at Old Timers Day, because I have a feeling that had he lived and played even in inconsequential, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Non-contending teams with Cleveland. He would have been happier saying, hey, I've won my championships. I won my MVP. I'm now going to have my millions of dollars and live close to home, which he was literally learning how to fly to have that kind of a lifestyle. I'll tell you the other thing, if he had continued playing, continued to put up some all-star numbers, even in Cleveland, he'd be in the Hall of Fame right now. You could make the argument that he should be in the Hall of Fame now. He would have had a reunion with the Yankees but he would have left. And if you think that's sacrilege, how is that more sacrilege than Yogi Berra wearing a Houston Astros uniform at the end of the 1980s? So that's my what if for the day. And those are my shows for the week. I want everyone to have a wonderful weekend. Have uh, whatever you celebrate, whatever holiday you celebrate. I hope it's a wonderful thing. And Dodger fans, love those presents you got under the tree. And don't be mad if your neighbors say, hey, I wanted that. You got it. Now develop some thick skin. So go to Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Telling Dodger fans, you're the bad guys. Embrace it. And wondering what would have happened if Thurman Munson had lived. This has been Locked On MLB for the 22nd day of December 2023. Hey, it's already dark out. And you can call me Sully. <laughs>